0: All right, guys, we're going to be talking about the border. It seems like I make border videos probably about two or three times a week uh, because the border is wide open. We have illegal aliens coming from all over the world into this country. This is a major problem. Uh, the people down there at the border here in Texas, they're suffering. And these people aren't just necessarily, you know, coming from uh, Mexico, uh, Central, Central America, Central America. Um, they actually come from South America and even Haiti. Now you guys may r- remember the Haitian illegal aliens down there at the border, there was a narrative being pushed over there by Joe Biden and his socialist administration. They tried to condemn the border agents down there, and a lot of those guys are actually Latinos by the way, tried to condemn condemn them and accused them of whipping Haitians. That was a lie. We know now I already knew anyway that um, what you saw on those pictures, that was just the reins of the horse to actually control the horse. And I got to tell you guys, your mainstream media, man, they do a great job of trying to capture a moment without context and make it seem like the border agents were actually whipping Haitians. That was one thousand percent a complete lie. Joe Biden had to know it, and but we're really going to be focusing on um, is his um, the man in charge of uh, the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. The man lied, folks. Check this out: DHS Secretary Mayorkas was informed whipping incident was bogus, hours before he condemned. Border Patrol agents. He knew this, folks, and he lied. He lied to everybody. He knew that the whole thing was a hoax. It was made up. But he still went on TV, you know, and condemned the Border Border Patrol agents. You know, these people hate Americans. They hate Americans, but they love illegal aliens. So they made up a false narrative. Let's read this, guys. Documents obtained by the Heritage Foundation following a Freedom of Information Act request are casting fresh doubts on last year's whipping controversy concerning U.S. Border Patrol agents. According to the newly released emails, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was aware the popular narrative that Border Patrol agents whipped a group of Haitian illegal aliens, by the way, not migrants, was false. Hours before he declared the incident horrific during a White House press conference, one of Mayorkas' staff staffers uh, sent him an email less than three hours before the press conference relaying the account of photographer uh, Paul Rache, Rache, not sure how you pronounce the name, who took the viral photos and said the Solicious account of what happened was false. Quote, I've never se- seen them whip anyone. Rat J said in the quote provided to Majorcas. So this the man that actually took the photo and he told Majorcas nobody was whipped. Wow. Uh, he was swinging it, talking about the reins, but it can be misconstrued when you're looking at the picture. Rather than using the information he was provided to correct the narrative, Mallorca's perpetuated the media's misleading accounts of the incident by suggesting that something requiring investigation had occurred. Quote, I want to assure you, assure you that we are addressing this with tremendous speed and tremendous force. Mallorca said at the time, the facts will drive the action we take. The investigation will be all-encompassing. We will not cut a single corner. Prominent Democrats, including Beijing Biden himself, uncritically regurgitated the media's account of the incident. And this,
1: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment
0: that is a harsh lesson
1: in business. Sports is not as um, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so
2: many more doors. The show
1: is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
0: This is what Beijing Biden actually said. Quote, it was horrible to see what you saw, to see people treated like they did, horses barely running them over and people being strapped. The horses were not running him over. This is a lie. But he goes on. It's outrageous. I promise you, those people will pay. There will be consequences. It's an embarrassment. But beyond an embarrassment, it's dangerous. It's wrong. Similar rhetoric was echoed by Kamala Harris, noting it reminded her of the times of slavery. My goodness. My goodness. Folks, they made all this up. They made all this up to push a narrative out there. This is just crazy. Uh, speaking with our uh, national national review last year. George Sire, a retired horse patrol coordinator, noted that the conduct of the Border Patrol agents was actually standard procedure. Uh, quote, it's a training tool and it's a uh, training aid if a horse does not want to cooperate with his rider. Nevertheless, the agents involved were subsequently pl- placed on administrative leave and then investigated by U.S. Customs and Border Protection. Although in the investigation ultimately cleared them of whipping. So the investigation said they they did not whip these people. Disciplinary charges were brought against four agents for endangering illegal aliens. My goodness, they did not endanger these people. Reports suggest that Mallorca's uh, conduct was has uh, undermined the faith of uh, Border Patrol agents. And I don't know why anybody would actually want to be a Border Patrol agent under this administration. Uh, the unraveling of the controversy and Mallorca's complicity has caused many to feel unprotected and vulnerable to shifting political winds. Uh, quote, Border Patrol agents are very hesitant to do their jobs, knowing they could be accused of. Buying the most powerful man in the world of a crime. Brandon Jude uh, told uh, Fox News last month. Secretary Mayorkas has yet to uh, respond to the latest revelation. Straight up, folks, this man should be impeached. He should be impeached. He knew that those Border Patrol agents did not whip anybody, but he ran with the narrative, accused them, tried to defame them. My goodness, if I was a Border Patrol agent. And I don't know if they can actually do this or not. I would definitely be uh, suing for defamation here. I definitely would. I mean, I guess, you know, there's a new standard now. Uh, Look at what happened with uh, Alex Jones, but I'm not going to actually dive into that in this video. Joe Biden, Alejandro Mayorkas, they hate Americans. They hate Americans so much that they would actually make up lies about our Border Patrol agents who are putting their life on the line. There's a bunch of bad people that want to get into this country. And when it comes to the border, the Border Patrol agents are the first line of defense. Actually, it really should be Joe Biden by securing the border, but we know he does not want to do that. He does not want to do that. Republicans, if you're listening to this video here, you guys get the um, majority. Both of those guys need to be impeached. Both of them. My goodness, man, he knew about this. He knew that this whole thing was completely made up. But he ran with this false narrative, man. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans. Let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time.
1: You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube.
2: The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First, 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rude for our Black and White Sports. Well, one of the cases we've been following for a while did a video as soon as the news broke involving Saints Alvin Alvin Kamara, the running back, very talented running back, Pro Bowl running back, who got into a scrap and allegedly beat a guy pretty good out in Las Vegas during the Pro Bowl. Well, some allegations involving this beatdown that he gave to this guy, which we've seen the pictures of. Some of the new details are heinous as hell. And boy, when he goes before a judge and they start really looking at this, some of the things that this victim and 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 we've seen the pictures i mean he that that guy took a badass beating from somebody um, some of the details are extremely troubling about Kamara's conduct involving that beatdown Alvin Kamara's lawsuit contains troubling new allegations Larry Brown Sports the man who says he was beaten by Alvin Kamara several months ago has filed a civil lawsuit, and it contains some troubling new allegations against the New Orleans Saints star. By the way, this name's going to sound familiar. Tony Busby, the lawyer who represented the 23 women who filed the assault lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, has filed a civil lawsuit in Louisiana court Friday on behalf of Darnell Green, Jr., Green is the man who was allegedly attacked by Kamara and others on Pro Bowl weekend in Las Vegas on February 5th. He is seeking damages in excess of $10 million. After he claims he suffered severe injuries that will linger and require more surgical procedures. The lawsuit, which was provided to Larry Brown Sports, accuses Kamara and several friends of an unprovoked quote, vicious beating on Green that left him temporarily unconscious. The suit claims Kamara hit Green numerous times, then bragged to friends after he that he quote, connected with the expletive's jaw so hard, one of his friends allegedly responded saying it sounded like the expletive got hit with a baseball bat. Wow. Kamar was arrested on felony battery charges and released on bail. The official report from the Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department states that Kamar punched Green while Green was unconscious on the ground outside the elevator at the Cromwell Hotel. Several others who were with Kamar are accused of stomping Green. Multiple criminal hearings for the running back have been postponed at the request of his legal team. Green's lawsuit contains several images from security footage that claim to show Kamara and others beating Green. Uh-oh, they got visual evidence. The issue is said to have arisen when Green tried to board the same elevator as Kamara and his friends. Kamara is accused of forcefully stopping Green from getting into the elevator and then punching him in the face numerous times. An image that shows Green with gruesome injuries to his face, was also included in the suit. Kamar, 27, is off to a slow start this season. He has 203 yards on 47 rushes in three games. He has 110 yards passing and a touchdown. Kamara has missed time with a rib injury. Whoa. That is not a good look. It should be noted the lawsuit... That they're saying, Larry Brown Sports is saying, that they have visual evidence, visual evidence of Kamara and his buddies taking part in this beating. I said, the one thing we haven't seen, the one thing that hasn't come out and has not been made public, is this happened in a hotel. Which means there is video of this. There's got to be somewhere video of this. I would guess that these are steals from some kind of hotel video. That's only speculation on my part, but I'm guessing. And the fact that they have details of what was said, the fact that Kamara had no remorse at the time of the, the, the beating, the fact that he just went on and played in the pro bowl, like nothing happened. Um, I was not thrilled that they allowed him to finish that, that Pro Bowl game before arresting him. I thought he should have been pulled out of the game. If the cops would show up to somebody's normal work, they're not going to worry about whether or not you got a deadline on a project. They're going to pull you out of work and take you, take you off. We know. We know how that goes. Uh, Tony Busby Deshaun Watson, do you have a new lawsuit? Oh, you do. I've got a Deshaun Watson video coming. It's already shot. I was going to put it up until this news broke right here. So Deshaun Watson will be coming after this when I would assume, barring any other news. Uh, but this is a terrible look. A terrible look. The NFL monitoring the situation. The NFL said they would not pursue this until it went to court. Now there's a civil lawsuit involved for a hell of a lot of money. Wow. Wow. Of course, we will keep up with the details of this case. Peace them out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and
1: subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into... Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no holds barred
2: truth on sports. The main event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First. 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for Black and White Sports. Well, if I'm Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, I'm considering a a job as a coach, an OC, something else, but I'm getting the hell out of the media because he made a completely legit take last night. By the way, a legit take that Richard Sherman literally made on the same set of the same game. But because Ryan Fitzpatrick last night decided to compare Justin Fields to Cam Newton, by the way, if I'm Cam Newton today, I'm like WTF. I was a MVP in the league and I went to a Super Bowl. Justin Fields right now looks like he can't hit the broadside of a barn. He missed two passes last night that were just absolutely unforgivable as an NFL quarterback. Plain and simple. Okay, but this morning, Ryan Fitzpatrick is waking up to a shitstorm because he's being called racist over a take involving uh, the former Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields. It's ridiculous. It's utterly stupid and ridiculous, but he is getting drugged by the wokes on Twitter today. And uh, we'll take a look at a couple of plays and we'll listen to Richard Sherman because I mean, Sherman literally had the same take. Ryan Fitzpatrick makes potentially racial criticism of bears quarterback, Justin Fields, after another brutal performance, things have not gone according to plan for either Justin Fields or the bears since they selected him 11th overall in the 2022 NFL Draft. Fields began his rookie season on the bench behind veteran Andy Dalton before eventually being heading head to the starting job, but he has struggled in most of his 10 starts. The Ohio State product completed less than 60% of his passes for just 7 TDs, 10 picks, posting a 2-8 and eight record along the way. His second season hasn't been much better. He's terrible. Through six games, the Bears are 2-4, and four. And a 54.8% of his uh, passes have been complete. That is god-awful. Fewer than a year ago. Four TDs, five picks. Fr- the frustration with the young t- QB came to a head on Thursday night for former NFL veteran signal caller Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, look, I've seen a lot of people trying to drag Fitzpatrick, uh, saying he was a career backup. How Have you ever even seen Ryan Fitzpatrick play? Ryan Fitzpatrick was a good quarterback from the pocket, and he started a lot of NFL games. Started a lot of NFL games. Got some really big contracts out of it, too. Uh, I don't know what you have seen out of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but plain and simple, Ryan Fitzpatrick, thus far, throughout his career, is definitely shown more than Justin Fields has shown. Plain and simple. Fields went 14 for 27 for 190, One TD, one pick. The Bears dropped to tw- uh, in a 12-7 to loss to the Commanders. So here we go with the comments. This is crazy as hell. The Bears have done a terrible job of putting talent around fields. Chicago has little in terms of weapons in the passing game. An offensive line is porous. But fields has done little to help himself. And now Fitzpatrick says it's time for him to figure out his identity as an NFL QB. So, wow, this is what Fitzpatrick actually said. Quote, Justin Fields needs to look in the mirror and say, what am I? You are not Peyton Manning. You are not Patrick Mahomes. You are not a pocket passer. You are a Cam Newton type. You are a guy who is an elite runner of the football. Hashtag Bears. Now, that led as you can imagine, to some agreement and some disagreement, major disagreement. Let's get on Twitter. Here we go. My face during that entire Ryan Fitzpatrick commentary on Justin Fields. What's the problem? I mean, last I checked, he did actually name Patrick Mahomes in there. He did. Did he not? I I mean, am I am I missing something? I, I don't know. I don't know. There are people who, are, who watch this and are now furious at Ryan Fitzpatrick that says Justin Fields isn't his best as a pocket passer. Let's look at this. He misses this guy. I mean, he is wide open. In the NFL, we call that wide ass open. I saw this throw last night, and my next thought was Justin Fields can't play quarterback in this league. You cannot miss a throw that wide open in the NFL. You cannot. I mean, it's unacceptable. You might be a career backup, but that is a terrible miss. And you cannot miss that throw. It's unacceptable. So, of course, that led to this feedback. All jokes aside, 95% of of things I say aren't serious, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is a coward. For saying the shit he does about Justin Fields, using actual criticism instead of cliche black quarterback critiques, it's lazy and backdoor racist. I hope someone calls him out on that bullshit. I mean, are you kidding me right now? That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. This guy, Ryan Fitzpatrick, sure used a lot of words just trying to call Justin Fields an N-word. What? What? Hey FitzPatrick, how about you show some success as a pocket passer before you go on a racist tirade against a talented young player, you nazi fuck? I mean, is that a joke? Is that a joke? He literally basically said the same thing that 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 I mean, it's nuts. That Richard Sherman said. Listen to this person. Boy, only thing Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't do just then was called Justin Fields the N word. Okay, sure. Let's listen to this. This is Richard Sherman.
1: It is I don't understand it. It's like it's like Luke Getze is like, "Hey, I want to challenge him to get, overcome my my play calling." Like Don't make him overcome your play calling. Put him in easy situations. You know why the DN had a chance to bat the pass down? Because he's in the pocket. You know why it's, oh, he's late on throw? Because he's in the pocket. It's not RPO action. It's not holding your linebackers. It's not putting him in positions that he's used to succeeding in. No, you're like, hey, let's make him be a pocket
2: passer. He runs 4 4. Make him race to the corner of the end zone. Make the defense chase. Like, good night. I think this would, I mean, literally, Richard Sherman just said, The exact same thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick said. I mean, Richard Sherman, last I checked, he is, in fact, black. Where is the outrage over this? I mean, where is the outrage? Fox Sports' Doug Gottlieb. Luckily, for Gottlieb, I'll give him some credit because he slammed this bullshit on Twitter this morning. Twitter, where men and women who have never played football decide to call Ryan Fitzpatrick names because he analyzed Justin Fields as a Cam Newton type. I mean, what does he know? And of course he's laughing because uh, you know, I mean, you know, he was uh, an actual quarterback in the National Football League. It's 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 crazy that this is where we are when it comes to critiquing in sports. That if you criticize a quarterback who happens to be black, then you're a racist. They used to do this shit with Cam Newton, too, all the, by the way, because Cam wasn't an accurate quarterback. It was a valid criticism. Okay? I mean, everybody, everybody is going to evaluate quarterbacks differently. And in my opinion, accuracy is the number one most important thing when evaluating a quarterback or looking at a quarterback's performance over the course of their career or getting ready for them to enter the draft. Justin Fields isn't accurate. And, look, his offensive coordinator is doing him no no favors either. Okay? I don't love a lot of the play calling. I don't. I don't understand why he's not rolling out more, why he's not using his legs more, and why he is not being used as more of a Cam Newton slash Josh Allen type. It's valid. It's a valid criticism. It's got nothing to do with race. At all, it's insane. It's nuts. I mean, you know, I will say this: there's been a lot of pushback against this this morning, from all, even on Twitter. There is. People are pushing back, and they're and they're speaking out, saying, "Look, what Ryan Fitzpatrick said is um, got nothing to do with race. There is. It's nothing to do with race." I mean, look, this guy right here, he just comes out and says it. How the F are people taking Ryan Fitzpatrick's comparing Fields to Cam Newton as a diss or a negative? You are acting like he compared him to a running back, but instead he compared him to an MVP with a huge arm and unbelievable ability to run. That is a compliment 100. Oh, my God. You know, I mean, it's it's just nuts. But this person lost their mind on Fitz, too. I really hope that there is more to the quote from Fitzy. Because this is whack. Did this get said about Josh Allen after an abysmal rookie season when his legs were his only positive? It's always easy to say this shit about black quarterbacks. This person, Cam Newton type, running back, are code words white people use whenever they want to discredit a black quarterback. And this is the Richard Sherman clip that I just played I mean, this is, it's nuts. This is ludicrous, you know? I mean, do we really believe Ryan Fitzpatrick was trying to be racist in his critiquing of Justin Fields last night? I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. I don't buy it. I I just don't believe it. And, um, yeah, you know, these people are grasping, you know, it's a race to be the most woke, and Twitter is where the race is ran. There's no winning that race. These people are nuts. I'm just saying. Tell me what you think, black and white sports fans. Is Ryan Fitzpatrick a racist bitch today? I believe he is not. Uh, yeah, but his offensive coordinator, yeah, he could draw up some plays to better use his skill set. There's no doubt about that. He also missed two white-ass open throws last night for touchdowns. Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be
1: sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.
2: I'm back, Rudriance, for the Matrix and Road Show. Well, we are going to talk about Halloween Ends. I have seen it. I've seen the ending twice. I actually went back and watched the last uh, 25 minutes again. This is going to be long-winded. This definitely will do well on the pod, probably, too. Uh, So if you're listening on the pod, make sure you subscribe. We cover, of course, politics, sports, and entertainment on this channel. I've got a ton of notes here for this. Um. Look, this this movie in my opinion, uh we're just we're just going to we're just going to start here and um I am going to do this more podcast style, but uh the movie is a mess, I think, uh personally speaking. Um I will say this, it's got a very damn good last 25 minutes. It does. Um but I think there were a lot of things that were not needed. I think they tried to do some things in this movie that um, sometimes directors and writers just get things into their head where they want to try things that are new or different, and a lot of times that just wrecks a movie. Okay? Uh, Now, for full disclosure, a couple of my most hated films of all time are Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, and that is uh, a movie where Jason Voorhees is actually not the killer in the film. Uh, but it is an ambulance driver that is getting revenge for the death of his son. And uh, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Now, I know that's got sort of a cult following, but no Michael Myers in that film. And so, uh, for me, I, I've deleted it from the um, my Rhodes personal archive of Halloween movies. To me, these movies are about the Strode family and Michael Myers, plain and simple. Um, I was worried about something coming out of uh, Halloween when it came back in 2018, and I was vocal about the fact that I did not like the fact that they had scrapped so many previous films, including Halloween 2, which I actually consider to be uh, just an extension of Halloween 1. If I watch Halloween, I always watch Halloween 2. Um, To me, they're one big film, right? Uh, So I didn't love the fact that that got scratched. I didn't like the fact that they decided to ignore uh, the Jamie Lloyd arc uh, because I think Halloween 4 is a fantastic horror movie. Uh, I truly do. And, of course, Danielle Harris gave one of the best performances anybody has ever seen out of a child in that film. Well, man, where do I begin this will have spoilers. I mean, massive spoilers. And, um, so let's just... I've got plenty of notes for this mess. Okay, so we get a new guy in this film. His name is Corey. And it seems that the directors and the writers got it into their head, at least for a while, that they were going to try to set up some kind of an air apparent situation with Michael Myers. Um... The film starts where this guy is babysitting a kid. Not really sure if the kid accidentally died or didn't or if it was intentional. Um, maybe it's supposed to be an accident and that's just sort of where things spiraled down for this guy. Um, I feel like that wasn't made abundantly clear. Maybe it was to some people. It just wasn't wasn't for me. And of course, as you can expect in Haddonfield, um, this kid took a lot of ridicule for that, and it may have done something to him. Uh, but we found out that maybe, like when he was in school, uh, he wasn't the most popular kid. That that kind of thing, and um, it, it just doesn't work for me. I, I it doesn't work. We kind of watch him go into this almost Joker-like. Um, descent into madness, okay? It becomes clear. Uh, number one, Michael Myers doesn't show up in this movie for quite some time. He doesn't. We find out uh, that Myers is alive. We've got a um, four, uh, a three- or four-year gap in this film between this film and Halloween Kills. Uh, we finally discover that Michael Myers is alive. He's down in a sewer. Uh, He's been hiding down there, and I guess he's been actually dragging people down in there and killing them or something, or maybe he hasn't. I don't know. That is not even abundantly clear, okay? But this kid ends up killing a few people. He ends up becoming face-to-face with Michael Myers. Myers looks into his eyes and decides to let him live. Now, I I just got to tell you, that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, It doesn't. Now, did that come full circle later and they sort of redeemed it? Yes, but it just didn't make sense uh, for me from the beginning. Okay, Uh, we just watched him go on a massive rampage at the end of the previous film. And uh, now one of the things on the previous film I didn't love was the fact that he came back and killed Lori's daughter in the house. And then now we find out somehow he got away right they have since uh bulldozed the Myers house why they didn't do that years earlier i don't know but that's neither here nor there and it doesn't really affect affect the film any but um you get the point okay i'm like really uh it took you all that long uh so we find out that that for whatever reason lori is now trying to live a normal life now i find this i find this odd and the reason I find this odd is due to the fact that, look, Lori kind of lived in the manner that, that we kind of expected her to live in, in a lot of ways, waiting on Michael and preparing for him, as we saw in the, the first film. Um, that was with him locked up, okay, in Smith's Grove. She knew where he was at, actually. Um, but she always thought he would come back around. Now, here we are. They did not catch Michael. She assumes, or she thinks, pretty heavily, I assume, that Michael is still alive. Okay? And at some point, we'll be coming back. But now, she's taking the opportunity to all of a sudden live normally, knowing he's out there. Okay? You would almost... and And, and for me, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you... <laughs> you know double down on the life of you know behind the gate and 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 you know shooting your guns and setting setting new traps for him all this sort of thing knowing knowing he's eventually coming back right uh, but instead she's not really drinking it looks like she does drink later towards the end but um, I didn't really uh, understand that all I don't know if she's trying to live normal for her granddaughter now maybe that's it. Okay, but again, even that is not made real clear. Uh, will Patton is in the film. I'm a huge Will Patton fan, but he's not in the movie enough for me. He's not. Um, man, I felt like the entire Corey plot took away from what we should have all been here for, and that's Michael and Lori. okay? Uh, sometimes I think uh, people will try to uh, stray from the formula, and it bites him in the ass, and it did here, Like right? Let Michael have healed up in the sewer for four years, and then he comes back, and he unleashes hell on Haddonfield again. All right? Am I looking for prototypical fashion here? I am. That's why I'm a fan of these movies. I'm looking for uh, him to come back and kill 20 people before we finally have a showdown, okay? Okay? I'm not here for, let's have this new guy, Corey, who somehow Michael allows to take the mask from him, like his most prized possession. He's going to let this kid take the mask from him, and this Corey kid goes on a rampage. Well, uh, look, I'm not here to watch Corey go on a rampage. I'm here to watch Michael Myers go on a rampage. Uh, So I feel like we were denied this. Now, look, I do think it's, it's uh, valid to have Michael old. He is old. And he's uh, obviously been weakened by that, that last big fight we saw from Halloween Kills. I think all of that makes sense. But um, I, I just do not see Michael Myers and his persona having let anybody... He comes face-to-face with Liv. Okay? um especially in this incarnation of brutal rampage that they've set up also there were a couple of gore spots in this movie but it didn't have nearly the gore that halloween kills did and that was disappointing okay uh, i am a big gore guy i like gory horror movies and um this this was surprisingly uh, uh I'm most timid in my opinion. It really was. Um, so, you know, again, I don't really understand Lori Strode just being sort of living normally. Obviously, she still got some problems, uh, but I didn't understand that. Uh, one of the things that uh, was odd too, and we have to be, be real here, is how did they not find Michael if he was that close? I'm just wondering. You, you're telling me that. You know, they've got dogs now that literally hunt people down based on their, their scent. And you're telling me they could not find him in the sewer? They wouldn't have been a massive manhunt with 200 people involved armed to the hilt. And we just didn't find him. Okay. Um, you know, I find that odd. If he would have been 30 miles out of town in some wooded sewer something, you know, out by a lake or or 15 miles out of town. But you get my point. He's basically in town, but he's in the sewer. Now, maybe what they're trying to say there is that the scent from the sewer would have thrown dogs off. I don't know. Uh, But I just, that's hard to believe in this day and time for me. I know it's convenient horror movie plot armor, You know, I do get that. Um, I do want to bring up, there is a, what I think, personally speaking, is a wonderful scene between Will Patton and uh, Laurie Strode, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis in this movie. Um, There's a wonderful scene between the two in in a grocery store. You know, from the time this started, I was kind of rooting for these two to hook up. And as we would see at the very end, they did, in fact, fact hook up. Or it looks like they're heading down that path. And that's good. Like I said, the last 25 minutes of this movie is very damn good. It is. Um, And, you know, they they try to redeem themselves for some things, okay? Um, You know, it, it was just odd. Why did... Why did Michael choose to drag Corey down into the sewer to begin with? I don't understand that. Uh, Why is this random homeless guy living 50 yards from, you know, 50 feet, 50 yards, whatever, living that close to where Michael is, and he's alive? I I mean, that's sort of no rhyme or reason for me right there. Okay, now Corey, he goes into a descent, and then he goes on a... Michael like rampage having a um, Michael Myers' mask that he takes away from Michael doesn't make sense. It just doesn't um I mean, it's like for a while Michael Myers adopts this kid as the heir apparent, but why he saw something in his eye that led him to believe he reminded him of him at his old age i I hate this, okay. I hate the, let's try to pass this on to somebody new. For And, and luckily, they tied up that end. I get it. But, uh, so we knew that's not what was going to happen, thank God. But the point is, you wasted a lot of audience time. Okay, all these kills that Corey made, in my opinion, should have all been Michael's kills. Alright, if you literally took this film and took Corey out of it or just made Corey a, a another character, the love interest of of Lori Strode's granddaughter, I'm fine, okay? Alright, I understood that they were starting to connect and this and that and the other. Um that whole opening with the babysitter and the kid, that should have been Michael's return, okay? That entire scene should have been Michael's return, killing the parents and all that. And but instead, they sort of wasted our time, in my opinion, with all this. And they wasted Michael's kills. They took those kills from him, gave him to gave him to Corey. And I don't care about Corey. Okay, I don't know Corey. He hasn't been in these other two films. And so you try to introduce a character, and then and then spin him up into a Michael Myers descent real fast, and people sit down and watch these films to see Michael Myers. Not Corey, okay? Not Corey. Um, some people may hate that from me on this, but it killed this movie for me in large part because, again, these are these films are about Myers and about Laurie. Okay, now, uh, so you're talking... We get all the way to the hour and twenty-four minute mark because I watched this film on Peacock, so I went back. I wanted to see when this movie started feeling like a real Halloween movie, and it was a it was an hour and fifty minute film, and it didn't business didn't pick up as Jim Ross would say until the uh, hour and twenty-four minute mark. When Michael Myers has followed Corey to the new Strode home and he luckily in this, I'm going to tell you, if they hadn't done this and they let Corey live, I would absolutely obliterate this movie last Jedi style. I would. Uh, But luckily, Myers looks into Corey's eyes and then he snaps his neck. Good. Good you're dead. We're not passing this shit on to nobody. Okay. So they stopped that. All right. They, they stopped that because I didn't look, I'm sorry. They could come up with, you know, Halloween ends again, or try to reboot it and Corey be alive. And Corey have the new Michael Myers persona and mask. And I'm not interested in that in one iota. Let Corey go get his own franchise. Okay. Um, uh, you get my point there that I'm trying to make. Again, people show up for Lori Strode and Michael Myers, or the Strode family and Michael Myers. Uh so uh Michael does end that, thank God. And we don't have to worry about that being an ongoing thing in future films. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but is the granddaughter gonna is it gonna pass on to the granddaughter? And then they're going to think we care about seeing her go on killing sprees, and I don't. So we tied that up, right? And uh, I just had to do an edit because I got a I got a phone call in here. But um, so you get the point. He ultimately kills him. And it's this is an odd film, okay? It's a tale of two films for me. Uh, excellent last 25 minutes. Excellent. Okay? Corey comes in a uh, little meltdown like he's going to kill Lori Strode. Um, Michael ultimately does him in. Lori's sitting in the house, she realizes somebody else is in the house all of a sudden. And you know, Lori's not dumb at that point. Lori Lori knows immediately Michael Myers is back, okay? So she goes into um self preservation mode, right? And we get a little, maybe two-minute cat and mouse, she's hiding in the closet uh, kind of thing or in the pantry. Michael comes in, and uh, she had set a distraction for him in the microwave, and the microwave went off. When he turned, she bum-rushes him out of there. Um, and Michael Myers and Lori Strode have about a five-minute tussle kind of thing uh, where there's knives involved in this, this, that, and the other. And, um, you know, I'm sure you're thinking, well, he couldn't overpower her pretty easy. Look, there's, there's two things that's pretty obvious here. Uh, that last battle at the end of Halloween Kills really effed Michael up. And I appreciate the fact that they showed that, that you could tell he is broken and beaten, and he's old. Okay. So, uh, in other words, it it makes the fight a little more even, okay? Because, you know, they talk about, like, you know, oh, a quarterback is 100% going into this game. Well, in sports terms, Michael was in in this at, like, 62%, okay? Or 70%. I like that, okay? It makes sense. It does. Uh, So, him and her get into a tussle. Ultimately, she takes a knife. She drives his hand into uh, uh, the counter, uh, uh, the the kitchen bar behind the, the kitchen, in front of the kitchen sink in the counters. And she has one hand trapped. She gets the other hand also with a knife into the counter. So he's, he's trapped. She turns a refrigerator over on top of one of his legs. He's pinned down. Michael is going nowhere, especially in his state. Okay? Uh, She says a little something to him. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then she slices his throat to let him die and bleed out. Um, I guess Michael, in a rush of adrenaline, literally pulls his hand out from the knife, splitting his hand in two, but he grabs her by the throat. And at that point, Laurie Strode has... Has come to grips that this is it. Okay, this is this is the finale. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna let this happen. So she tells Michael, just do it, okay? Because he's dying. I mean he he's not surviving the throat slash. Blood is coming out, and um, so about that time, granddaughter shows up again because she heard that there was a, a distress call. Uh, from Will Patton. He's going to in Laurie Strode's house. We got a suicide call. She turns around, goes back to the house, walks in, finds her grandmother being choked by Michael Myers, but Michael Myers is pinned down. And of course she has the assist and they get him pinned back down. That is when Lori Strode takes the knife and slices his wrist. And now he is really bleeding out. He's dead. Michael Myers is dying. Um, And there he is. That's what happens with Michael Myers. That's his demise. He's in the kitchen pinned down and he bleeds out. He literally bleeds out. Um, So Michael Myers is not supernatural or, um, you know, supernatural or or he's not going to survive. He's not Jason Voorhees zombie style. He's not Michael Myers and some of the incarnations we got previously in some of the other movies. Um, He's a real person and he is dead. Okay, now, when Will Patton and the cops show up, he walks in the kitchen. She looks at him and says, Michael is dead. Now, we saw in Halloween Kills, and I I really loved that part of the movie, was that Will Patton had a definite connection with Michael Myers, and you guys have all seen that. So, Will Patton takes it upon himself. We're taking Michael, we're taking his body, we're going to strap it to the top of the police car and that tonight this town will heal and know Michael Myers is forever gone. It's over. They strap him to the top of the car and he's getting ready to leave. A couple of cops show up and say, dude, you can't do this. Okay, you can't do this. You can't just drive off with a body and do whatever you want with it. And about that time, uh, the head law enforcement agent, the black guy from the previous film, uh, shows up. He gets out. He hears what the guy says, and he looks at him, and he says, Tonight, this is what we're doing. So they literally drive Michael through Haddonfield on display for the citizens to see. Michael Myers is dead. I really liked this part. I did. Um, they drive him out to uh, the. There must have been only one like scrapyard slash mechanic shop in town in Haddonfield because we end up back at the mechanic shop where Corey worked. <laughs> we end up back there again. Uh, but this time they're going to drop his body into a grinder. And they did just that. Michael Myers is absolutely dead. He got shredded, crushed into nothing. Okay? Just a bunch of blood, gristle. Um, Now, so it's over right there. It's over. So, oddly enough, I mean, I got, like, for the first hour and 24 minutes of this film, you know, I've got this movie at like a... A one or two out of ten. Okay, that's how much I'm pissed off about this error apparent Corey wasting my time subplot. I'm pissed about that. And then I get an ending that's like a, a nine out of ten. It's like, what do you do with that exactly? You know? It's, it's hard to find flaws in the ending. It's borderline ten out of ten for me the last 25 minutes. So ultimately, I end up with a, me, a mediocre film a middle-of-the-road Halloween film. The ending movie of this new Halloween trilogy that ends Jamie Lee Curtis. She will not be back. I just don't believe it. She is done. We get her back, and we end with a movie that's a 5 out of 10 for me. A middle-of-the-road film because the first hour and 24 minutes pissed me off that much, right? Um, It's crazy because... You could have put him in the sewer. You could have let him healed up. You could have brought him back, you know, just prototypical Halloween style. Just let him, he's healed up enough that he's going to come out. Okay. He's going to come out of hiding. He's going to start, he's going to go on a a Halloween rampage through Haddonfield. And then we end up where we got at the hour and 20, 24 minute mark. And that did not happen, okay? Uh, Instead, they do the whole heir apparent thing. They wasted my time with that. And it hurt this movie so badly for me. It really did. Um, I just, you know, I don't like it when they try to stray from formula in these movies, okay? You know, it's I could see a film that critics ultimately like, probably... Um, but not me, not me. All right. Um, five out of 10, it's, it's rewatchable. It'll be rewatchable over over, over time. Um, but I really like the last film. I've grown to really like the Halloween film from 2018, which I initially didn't like that much. Okay. Maybe this film grows on me. I don't know how. Again, I show up for Michael Myers and I get somebody else doing the killing primarily through the movie. I hated it. I hate that crap. Um, Quit trying. Quit trying Hollywood directors, writers, quit trying to outthink the room. Give people what they want. They want Michael Myers on a rampage that ultimately ends up With a face-to-face in a finale with Laurie Strode, that's simple, okay? Um, It's odd because if you took the the killing and everything away from Corey and just let it be Michael stalking through people, man, I got to tell you, this film would be like a nine out of ten for me. I would be like, this is one of the best Halloween films we've ever seen, and um, because they didn't do that. It, it, it hurt the film a lot for me. It truly did. Um, it's everything to me. you know I just like just like a new beginning with Friday the 13th, I show up for Jason Voorhees, not for the ambulance driver that's posing as Jason Voorhees. Roy was his name. Now come to think of it, I think. Uh, so anyway, you guys know uh, i I owned a horror movie website for like a decade. And it got to be pretty big. You know, I, I love horror movies. I covered them. The slasher movies are my jam. I don't love supernatural horror. I don't. Uh, but slasher films, I absolutely adore. And, um, so hopefully, maybe, somehow, this ages better for me. So, uh, there I am. That's what I've got on this. Um, the movie has bright spots. The movie has a fantastic ending. um, but there's a lot of unnecessary crap. There's a lot of unnecessary plot. There's a lot of plot I just don't want to see. Okay, the the story taken in a direction I don't want to see. It's crazy. It's crazy. So ultimately, we end up with a five out of ten movie, a, a middle of the row film. I can't, I can't give it anything any higher than that because too much of the movie pissed me off. Right. So. I just I don't know Corey. You know I'm not here for Corey. I'm here for Michael Myers. You know if they're gonna have Corey and Michael come face to face, Michael needs to snap his neck. I I, I just where I'm at. Make sure you hit subscribe. Peace. I'm out. Till next time.
0: All right, guys, I want you guys to refresh my memory. Just like a month ago, didn't Joe Biden say that the pandemic is over? I could have swore that Joe Biden actually did say that and he didn't backtrack. However, the White House did because, folks, somebody obviously has to be controlling Joe Biden when he goes off a script. Somebody is always there to um, contradict what uh, Beijing Biden actually does have to say. I mean even Dr. Fauci came out and contradicted what uh, Joe Biden said even though initially months before Joe Biden said it Dr. Fauci said the same thing. He said, "Yeah, we're out the pandemic phase. It's over." He said that and then he flip-flopped because that is what Dr. Fauci actually has done. Now guys, it is now the fall. And guess what folks? The virus is still out there. And we know that cases are actually going to go up. Because, you know, just like cold and flu season, I believe this is really the COVID season as well. You just add that to the list forever, probably, because the flu is not going anywhere. The cold isn't going anywhere. And the Wuhan virus is not going anywhere. It's just here to stay, folks. But uh, check this out. U.S. extends COVID public health emergency, even though Biden says pandemic is over. Now, this is coming from CNBC. They're even saying that Biden said it's over. Now, guys, if you actually go out there. One thing that you're not seeing at all, nobody, absolutely nobody is social distancing. I believe a lot of people just kind of forgot about that. You're not hearing about that whatsoever, even though some people are wearing masks. But for the most part, anywhere you go, you don't have to wear a mask, at least out here in Texas. You don't Everywhere I go. For the most part, nobody's wearing a mask. But they extended the public health emergency. Now, guys, I caught the Wuhan virus a month ago. It was like a cold. I mean, viruses mutate and they get kind of weaker as it goes on. Now, it's going to depend on the person. Okay, if you don't take care of your body, yeah, you could definitely be more sick than somebody that actually does take care of their body. Now, me, I try to eat right. I am active. I'm not a couch potato. OK, but um, let's go ahead and dive into this, guys. It says the U.S. has extended the covid public health emergency through January 11. When will this end, folks? A clear demonstration that Biden, that the Biden administration still views covid as a crisis, despite Beijing Biden's recent claim that the pandemic is over. The public health emergency first declared in January 2020 by the Trump administration has has um, been renewed every 90 days since the pandemic began. The powers activated by the emergency declaration have had a vast impact on the U.S. healthcare system and social uh, safety net allowing hospitals to act more nimbly when infections surge and keep millions enrolled in public health insurance. Biden, in a September television interview, claimed the pandemic is over, though he said COVID will continue to present a health challenge. The CDC in August said high levels of immunity in the U.S., combined with the wide availability of vaccines and treatments, has significantly reduced the threat that COVID poses to the nation's health. But hospitals and pharmacies called for the Health and Human Services Department to keep the public health emergency in place until the U.S. has a sustained period of low COVID transmission. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but let's move on. Hospitals in particular have been slammed with um, pac- patients every fall and winter since the pandemic began, at times pushing them to the breaking point. White House Chief Medical Advisor. Dr. Anthony Fauci said in an interview earlier this month uh said um Beijing Biden's comments were problematic because some people might let their guard down and not stay up to date on their vaccines. Well, you're the one that said initially that we're out of the pandemic phase. You said that, Dr. Fauci? This is unreal, man. When will this actually end? When will they actually stop with this? Keep extending the public health emergency folks. And I got to be honest, I'm out there. I've seen it. It's way different now than it was even a year ago. People really don't care about this thing anymore. They don't. I went to the, to the uh, dentist, um, few weeks back, small office, nobody was wearing a mask, no patients wearing a mask in the waiting room. Now the people behind the counter, yeah, they were, but, um, they're not, they're not requiring masks or anything like that. Nobody's worried about this thing. This is just crazy, guys. When will it end? When will it end? Whoever is running the country, I need to know. Because it's not Joe Biden. Somebody behind the scenes, maybe it's Barack Obama, is pulling the strings. I mean, still at this point, guys, a public health emergency? Come on, this is ridiculous. But. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans, I don't believe they ever want it to end. I don't. They may keep this thing going all the way to 2024, and the Democrats are probably going to get crushed even more so because people are just sick of the virus. They're done with it, they're ready to move on with their lives, but this is crazy, guys. Anyway, guys, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel, and we'll catch you next time.
1: You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main
2: event starts now. Black and White Network supporters, make sure you go over and check out the Black and White Network merchandise store. 25% off USA First, 25% off USA First. Go now. I'm back. Rudrance for our Black and White Sports. My God, we're back in the Deshaun Watson business. Are you kidding me right now? But not surprised, not. Had a feeling the NFL was going to come out looking like a bunch of clowns after reducing that suspension on Deshaun Watson and all those lawsuits, I, was, I sat back and I was like, you know, Roger Goodell was pushing at one time for what he was calling an indefinite suspension. Why was that a, a thing? Why did Roger Goodell want that? Because the NFL was scared and anticipated possible new lawsuits. Well, Matrix did the video last night. Deshaun Watson's got another lawsuit against him, okay? Now, last night it had seemed, when you looked at the wording on the suspension, that anything that happened between 2019 and August uh, 2020, 2021 or something like that, uh, that anything in that time period might fall under his current suspension, okay? However, the NFL has come out and made a statement And it looks like there's a possibility that, no, maybe that's not the case, and the NFL could determine to do something further involving Deshaun Watson and, once again, file it under the personal conduct policy. Uh, So that's come out. It's going to be Mike Florio. Florio's a lawyer. That's one reason I like to use him as a source on uh, on a lot of these Watson videos. Plus, it made me think about something last night when – Deshaun Watson was given the fully guaranteed contract by the Cleveland Browns, a contract none of the NFL owners around the league could even begin to believe. Steve Busciotti pissed with the Ravens knowing that Lamar Jackson was coming up. And you're giving Watson a fully guaranteed contract. I mean, a lot of people in the league were like, you're giving this guy, this guy, a fully guaranteed contract. And we found out the NFL owners have responded by not giving a fully guaranteed contract to Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, et cetera. They just said, we're not in the fully guaranteed contract business, especially at that kind of money. It was a desperation move by the Browns and their clown-ass owner, Jimmy Haslam. What made me think about something that, that had been said many months ago by Florio involving that contract, that contract was given to Watson under the assumption that that there were, at the time, only 22 civil lawsuits against him, okay? So the possibility of extra lawsuits could, if the Cleveland Browns chose to pursue, and it would be public, and I don't know how much they want to do that, and look, it would cause the Browns to have to admit, we totally screwed up here. And I think maybe that's what's going to prevent this, This new lawsuit may be the avenue if the Cleveland Browns want out of the Deshaun Watson business and want to separate themselves, this new lawsuit may very well be the out they're looking for. So, let's get to this. I know that was a lot of setup, but that's where we are at now. NFL will monitor developments in latest Deshaun Watson lawsuit. Oh, God, what is that? On Thursday, yet another lawsuit was filed against Brown's quarterback, Deshaun Watson. According to the NFL, the lawsuit does not alter Watson's current status. However, that could change. Quote, Watson's status remains unchanged. NFL chief spokesman Brian McCarthy told PFT via email. We will monitor developments in the newly filed litigation and any possible any conduct that warrants further investigation or possible additional sanctions could be addressed within the personal conduct policy. Watson is serving an 11-game suspension based on the process that entailed the presentation of evidence as to four alleged victims to Judge Sue L. Robinson, the jointly hired hearing officer under the personal conduct policy. It's unclear whether the league is foreclosed from pursuing additional discipline based on the other claims filed thereafter. Watson is currently due back for Cleveland's Week 13 game coincidentally against Houston. Beyond any new claims, his return could be delayed based on whether and to what extent he complies or fails to comply with the terms of current discipline. Wow. Okay. So this this is this is the uh the part about the contract right here, all right? And this is from an article back in July, I believe it was, and this was uh what this is from uh Factory of Sadness. But um huh, uh I mean that's that's valid. This is what Florio had said back then. As as explained in early April, after we obtained a full copy of Watson's contract, the contract exempts from the standard default slash guarantee void language, a suspension imposed by the league, quote, solely in connection with matters disclosed to the club, in writing, persuade it to, paragraph 42, and such suspension results in players' unavailability to the club solely for games during 2022 or 2023 NFL League years. In paragraph 42 of the contract, Watson, quote, represents and warrants, as of the date hereof, that player has not been charged or indicted for, or convicted of or pled nolo conti to any felony or misdemeanor involving fraud or moral turpitude. Player has not engaged in conduct which would subject him to a charge, indictment, or conviction of any offense. And no circumstances exist that would prevent players continuing availability to the club for the duration of the contract. The written disclosure was not attached to the contract. A source with knowledge of the document told us in April that it is, quote, a fair assumption that it refers to 22 pending civil lawsuits. Okay. So that, that tells you they believe the contract is based on 22 civil lawsuits now, he settled a bunch of them, but now, technically speaking, this is like the 25th one that's been filed. Okay? There were a couple of new ones right before the season started, and he settled up with all of them. By the way, one woman still has decided to not give in. And this is the other thing. We haven't talked about this. The new lawsuit is a civil lawsuit, okay? But we don't know. If it was part of what the Harris County D.A. looked at. Okay. We don't know that. And it should be noted for all the Tony Busby's trying for a money grab. The new lawsuit is not a Tony Busby lawsuit. It is two different and new lawyers. Okay. Uh, So that's an interesting wrinkle, too, that somebody decided they didn't want to hitch themselves to Tony Busby. They went, got a different lawyer, found a different lawyer. Doesn't mean that there might not be some other motivation there. But what happens if this person in this lawsuit that Matrix was talking about last night decides to file a police report against Watson? Okay, what happens if the DA decides to bring it before a grand jury after an investigation by the police? Who, by the way, thought they had enough to indict him last time. Okay, so there's a lot of things that can still come out of this. And again, this is a new lawsuit. How many more are we going to get? That was always the thing about the indefinite suspension that Roger Goodell bent the knee on. And now he looks like a total clown for having reduced this suspension uh, back from a full year to 11 games. Uh, I I said then, when they decided to sit down and negotiate with Deshaun Watson, the league was going to run the risk of looking like complete idiots if another lawsuit showed up. Guess what? Another lawsuit just showed up. Wow. The league looks terrible in this Deshaun Watson thing. I mean, just horrible. Peace. I'm out. Until next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe.
1: Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now.
2: I'm back. Rude for our Black and White Sports. Wow, we had a fallout last night. A come to a head situation, if you will, involving Ron Rivera and Carson Wentz. The other day, Rivera was kind of critical of his quarterback. Last night, Carson Wentz, there is no defense. He was awful last night. 99 yards passing. Were they playing the 85 Bears? I don't know. I got confused. Uh, so, anyway. On Thursday Night Football, uh, there was a come to a head in a press conference and Ron Rivera completely lost his shit, for lack of a better way of putting it, over a report that surfaced that was involved with the report where supposedly Dan Snyder has all the dirt on NFL owners and even possibly Roger Goodell, and he's threatening to burn the house down, if you will, if they tried to oust him as an owner. Look... Uh, the one thing we can absolutely say is the commander's organization is a dumpster fire. It has been for a long, long time. Look, I thought they had some hope. Ron Rivera's a solid guy. And I thought, you know what? They hired an actual good football man and brought him in there. But you can tell even Ron Rivera is starting to, starting to, I think, have doubts about his situation. Uh, So part of the report was the fact that Dan Snyder was the one that wanted Carson Wentz, not Ron Rivera, okay? And let's just say that Ron Rivera disputed that report. Let's get to this. This is from yesterday and then we will I'll show you the video of Ron Rivera because it's it's crazy. It is. Snyder has for years told people close to him that both a new stadium and a true franchise quarterbacks are silver bullets. Quote, All my p- problems can be solved if I can get a marquee quarterback, he told an associate last winter. This past March, Washington traded a second, third, and conditional third for the to the Colts for Carson Wentz, a quarterback who in 2017 appeared to be on the verge of a superstar, but whose fortunes have sunk. It was a stiff price for a soft-market quarterback. All familiar marks of Snyder's Pinchet for overpaying and negotiating against only himself. Sources familiar with the deal say that it was Snyder who pushed for Wentz and that the commander's football staffers have told people around the league as much. Quote, it was 100% a Dan move, says a source with knowledge of the inner workings of the deal. But in the team's statement to ESPN, Rivera insisted that he had brought the idea of acquiring Wentz to Dan and Tanya, who supported it. Quote, they love this game and and this team. So, interesting. They're coming out and saying it was a Dan Snyder move, and Ron Rivera is disputing that. Well, Rivera really disputed it last night. This is Fox News. That was an ESPN report. Heated Ron Rivera defends Carson Wentz after a tough game. Doesn't deserve this. Yeah, that's not, I mean, he was he was bad last night. Ron Rivera made his some choice comments when he said that the quarterback position is why the commanders have not been able to keep sustained success in the NFL. And look, I want to be fair here, before last night anyway, Carson Wentz actually had the most passing yards in that division. And really statistically, he was the second best quarterback to Jalen Hurts. Uh, and I understand Daniel Jones and the Giants have won more games, and so has Cooper Rush and the Cowboys. But right, wrong, or indifferent, the stats show Carson Wentz is having a better season than any of either one of those guys. Uh, his comments came after a two and three start when new quarterback Carson Wentz has been far from impressive. Entering Thursday, ranked twenty fourth in QBR, uh, Alex Smith. Um, really hammered the hell out of Ron Rivera for those comments. So did Chris Sims, by the way. On Thursday, he certainly did himself no favors. Wentz Wentz completed 12 of 22 passes for 99 yards, although the Commanders beat the Chicago Bears 12 to 7. Another, Another barn burner on Thursday night. God, they're awful. Simply put, it has not been a pleasant season thus far for the Commanders or Wentz. His struggle stemmed from late season when he needed to beat the 2-14 and Jaguars to put the Colts in the playoffs. He threw for just 185 yards in a 26-11 loss. It was ugly. It's one of the worst losses ever. Wentz has been widely criticized for his play, and that will continue after Thursday's sloppy game. However, Rivera made an emotional plea where he stuck up for the struggling Wentz when asked about a report that owner Dan Snyder, rather than Rivera, wanted wince in Washington, Rivera went no holds barred. And yeah, we'll just watch this video because he completely lost his shit on um on this on this um uh, reporter. You know
1: they've played their asses off. They have they've played off they've played off. they have. They've played their asses off for everybody. They come out and they show up. They work hard, alright? They don't complain, okay? They hear all this stuff and they gotta deal with it. I get them, I respect them for it because they're resilient, they come out. Everybody keeps wanting to say, I don't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bullshit. I'm the fucking guy that pulled huh. out the sheets of paper, that looked at the analytics, that watched the tape and the freaking, when we we're in Indianapolis, okay? And that's what pisses me off because the young man doesn't deserve to have that all the time. I'm
2: sorry, I'm done. Oh, Says to hell with it. I'm done with you guys. And walks out. I mean, hey, he's done with the media. That, I can't blame Ron Rivera for. Look, he was a member of that historic Bears team back in the 80s. Ron Rivera is a no-nonsense guy. He truly is. Quote, they played their asses off. They have. They played their asses off for everybody, Rivera said. They come out. They show up. They work hard. They don't complain. They hear all this stuff. And they got to deal with it. I get it. I respect them for it. Because they're resilient and come back. Everybody keeps wanting to say I didn't want anything to do with Carson. Well, bullshit. I'm the fucking guy that pulled out the sheets of paper. That looked at the analytics. And that watched the tape in the freaking Indianapolis. And that's what pisses me off. Because the young man doesn't deserve this all the time. Yeah, but you cracked the door on this. After the emotional plea, he cut his conference short and walked out of the room. Rivera admitted fault for his quarterback comments earlier this week and he has said he has been a distraction to his team and had a Mia Copa moment. Quote, I was fortunate enough to talk to our media relations director, contacted Wentz and let him know and I actually talked to Carson this morning. In fact, I talked to the whole team just so everybody understood that I had a Mia Copa moment and that I should know better. Coach addressed it handled it, nothing for, nothing for me that I'm overly concerned with. Coach is very straightforward, an upfront guy. He addressed it in a team meeting, which I thought was really cool, and what he meant by all of it, I feel very confident. That's Carson Wentz. And you got to wonder with Wentz, people have often speculated that part of his sort of meltdown in, in Philadelphia is the fact that he sat back and watched a – Nick Foles, backup quarterback, go go out and beat the Patriots and win the Super Bowl. They put a statue up in, in out in Philadelphia of Nick Foles. Okay, and it and Carson Wentz was actually having what everybody thought was going to be an MVP that uh, season that year, and then he got hurt and he went down, and it it's kind of been all over the place. A lot of good, a lot of bad from Carson Wentz, um, but that's neither here nor there. I will say this. I mean, Ron Rivera don't give a F. He doesn't. I mean, he'd just get mad, walk out of a press conference. Uh, but look, the, the story came out. Does Carson Wentz's trade feel very Dan Snyder-like? Yeah, it does. And I think that's part of the problem here. Okay? I think that's why a lot of people believed the fact that the story was Dan Snyder wanted Carson Wentz, not Ron Rivera. Why? It just feels like a car. It feels, it feels like a, a move that's got Dan Snyder written all over it. Let me, let me get involved. Let me stick my nose in actual football operations and the actual inner workings of personnel. And this is what you've got: is Carson Wentz throwing ninety nine uh, for ninety nine yards on Thursday night football against a not very good Bears team, to be honest with you. Uh, so. Man, total. A lot of crazy crap happened during what it what is the deal with Thursday night football? The world explodes because Tua has an injury. Last night, Ryan Fitzpatrick is unjustly labeled a racist today because he compared Justin Fields to a former MVP and Cam Newton, and you got Ron Rivera uh basically telling the media to go F themselves and walked out last night. After a win. (laughs) After a win. That's the most Washington Commanders thing ever. You can all go F yourself. I'm out. By the way, we won the game. (laughs) Peace, I'm out. Till next time. Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to
1: like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports. You're tuning into... Black
0: and White Sports on YouTube. The no-holds-barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. Well, Black and White Sports 2 fans, we're going to be talking about the Los Angeles Lakers. The final preseason game is upon us, and then the uh, 2022-2023 NBA season will be upon us. Now, I have no faith whatsoever in the Lakers. They are super-duper old. Uh, LeBron James is going to be 38 years old in a few months here in December. And guys, the Lakers uh, finished out of the entire playoff picture last year. Remember, the NBA expanded the playoffs. Now 10 teams actually get in. The uh, final four teams actually play a little play in tournament and the Lakers couldn't even do that. They were completely injured and Russell Westbrook was on his team and everybody knew this is not going to be a good fit. And it was a complete disaster. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the Lakers won, what, 35, 36 games? Now, this is not all on Russell Westbrook. It's really not. Like I said before, the team was super-duper old. And um, that was a bunch of injuries. And I don't think that's actually going to change again, folks. But, however, Russell Westbrook also opted into his contract. And the Lakers have to pay him a staggering $47 million this season. And, folks... It looks like now Russell Westbrook will be warming the bench over here on outkick. Russell Westbrook bench will play with Lakers second unit as quote tests before regular season. Now, if Russell Westbrook was actually going to be starting in the regular season, you would not put him on the bench with the second unit. You would not. Can you imagine LeBron James actually getting put on the bench? I can't now course, LeBron James is a much better player than Russell Westbrook, even at this point as LeBron James is um, aging. But LeBron still did average uh, 30 points per game uh, last season. I believe that the Lakers were really, really hoping that he would not opt into his contract. That is a lot of money. Now, we know that they actually wanted to trade him. Uh, They couldn't. Nobody wants a contract. Uh, Maybe, maybe, just maybe as the season goes on, they can actually try to trade Russell Westbrook because I don't believe the Lakers are going anywhere. They're going nowhere. And maybe, you know, some team out there may want an inspiring contract, uh, but Russell Westbrook does not make your team better. I mean, he was with my Houston Rockets. They really weren't better, but um, it says here, Russell Westbrook has officially been benched. The Los Angeles Lakers guard who has started since his rookie season in 2008 will play on the team's second unit, for their preseason finale against the Sacramento Kings on Friday. This doesn't appear to be a preseason situation either. The Lakers are reportedly treating this as a test to see if Westbrook coming off the bench make makes sense in the regular season as well. Now, if they bring him off the bench, Russell Westbrook can definitely have the ball in his hand. He is a very, very ball dominant player, and of course, you know when um you have LeBron AD. Uh, Those two players on the court, they just don't match up well, match play well together. I should actually say with Russell Westbrook, they don't. Now, of course, you know, it's going to overlap, but you have a forty seven million dollar player now coming off the bench. It says here from a pure basketball sense, Westbrook coming off the bench makes more sense. This isn't 24 year old Westbrook we're talking about anymore. He doesn't uh, shoot the rock or defend like he used to. He was never a great shooter. Um, However, he needs the ball in his hands in order to be successful. If he was the number one guy coming off the bench, especially if LeBron James comes on, comes off the court in that scenario, he'll get plenty of the ball. Now, that's really true right there. But um, this is LeBron James team and LeBron James is definitely going to need the ball. But he just doesn't. um, Westbrook. A.D. and um, LeBron, they just don't mix well together. And At this point in his career, man, Russell Westbrook really doesn't mix too well with hardly anybody. Um, On the flip side, Westbrook has an ego like every other NBA player. On top of that ego, he has a cap hit of forty seven million dollars. Guys who make forty seven million a season don't typically like coming off the bench, but he seems open to the idea. A quote. I'm all in on whatever it takes for this team to win. Westbrook told Adrian Warjanowski, ahead of training camp. I'm prepared for whatever comes my way. I don't believe that for one second. I do not. When you are an MVP of the league and Russell Westbrook did, did win an MVP, when you're making $47 million, there's no way in hell he actually wants to come off the bench. No way. He wants to start. And I wouldn't even blame him if he actually just came out. No, I want to start. But he's just saying, you know, the right thing to say, I guess you can um, say. Uh, But however, look at this. Westbrook is shooting 38.9% from the field. Wow. In the preseason, just the preseason, but still. But uh, guys, what do you think of this? What do you guys make of uh, Russell Westbrook now being benched by the Los Angeles Lakers? This is probably a good move for the team. Definitely so. But um, they truly do not want this man on the team. He is not going to help them. And even without um, Russell Westbrook, uh, this team is still not, not going to be any good. They're not a playoff team. Maybe they'll make the play in tournament, but that's pretty much it. This team is still way, way, way too old. And Russell Westbrook, man, hey, be happy, man. $47 million. Man, I'll be happy all, all the way to the bank. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports Two fans. Let's so stick about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks for watching the show. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Be sure to tune in next time on Black and White Sports.
0: I've asked on this channel many, many times, why are people still voting for Democrats? Why? They are destroying this country. And when it comes to your children, they want your children to be owned by the state. They don't believe in parental rights. These Democrats out there are evil and they want to transition your children at a very, very early age. These Democrats, they worship at the altar of wokeness. They've gotten God out of schools. They hate God. They hate it. And they hate that you are the parents of children. They're trying to change language. They're trying to implement all types of wokeness in school. And what we're going to be talking about today, folks, really, really should scare people, especially you people that vote for Democrats, you people that vote for this person. We're going to be talking about in this video. Why are you supporting this person? Maybe after you watch my video here, maybe you actually will not support this person anymore because what this person is doing, if this was to go through, it is over for parents. Your children will be owned by the state, especially in the state of Virginia, because this is what we're going to be talking about here. There is a reason, folks, why Glenn Youngkin won the governorship over there in Virginia because the woke leftist progressive socialists were trying to indoctrinate children. And there's a reason why folks, because uh, this Democrat here we're going to be getting into, it seems like she definitely supports that stuff and wants to go way, way, way beyond and prosecute parents. Here we go, guys on national review, Virginia Democrat to introduce bill to prosecute parents, refuse to treat child as opposite sets. Yeah, so she definitely wants the uh, the government to actually get involved in this and take away your children. Why are you voting for Democrats? Why? Your child belongs to you. You should have the final say in anything that actually goes on with a child. A child does not have the mental capacity to make a life changing decision. They don't. Because when I was five years old, I'm pretty sure there was a lot of things I wanted to be. And as I grew up and got more mature, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? I'm glad I didn't actually decide to do that. Let's read this, guys. Virginia Democratic delegate Elizabeth Guzman. Is seeking to introduce legislation that would hold parents criminally liable. For refusing to treat their children as a different sets from the one they were born into, yeah, she wants five, six, seven, ten year olds, fifteen year olds to decide on transitioning. And folks, these puberty, puberty blockers, the all that uh, chemical stuff they're injecting into our uh, children, that can have consequences. Some of this stuff, man, may do harm on children. If you guys remember a uh, Jazz Jennings. Jazz Jennings quote unquote transitioned something like it uh I I could be getting age wrong here. Uh seven, eight years old, something like that. And then Jazz Jennings was actually born a biological male. Transitioned and I believe Jazz Jennings is twenty years old now, if I'm not mistaken. But um Jazz Jennings decided to chop off the sausage, if you know what I mean. And guess what, folks? It was not easy. Jazz Jennings has no sensation down there anymore. And actually, the male testicles did not grow to the right sides because of the stuff that was getting pumped into the body. Think about that. And this woman here, an elected official in Virginia, doesn't want you to have a say in it. The legislation which Guzman plans to introduce in Virginia's upcoming legislative session, would it span the definition of child abuse so that parents could be charged with a felony or misdemeanor for refusing to honor their child's request to be treated as the opposite sex? Child abuse, folks, I believe it's actually child abuse if you're actually allowing your child to be injected with all this stuff out here in Texas, folks, um, that is child abuse if you're doing that to your child. But um this is what this uh, uh loudmouth uh, leftist latina had to say. Quote, if the child shares with those mandated reporters that they are going through we are talking about not only physical abuse or mental abuse, what the job of that man- mandated reporter is to inform child protective services. Guzman told 7 News. That's how everyone gets involved. There's also an investigation in place that is not only from a social worker, but there's also a police investigation before we make the decision that there is going to be a CPS charge. Folks, government should have no say in this whatsoever. Government should have no say in transitioning children. It should be up to the parents. And folks, I believe it should actually be illegal. I truly do. I believe it should be outlawed completely. But we know certain states it's not. I believe it should be a complete ban on transitioning children. But in states where it's not, parents should actually absolutely have the final say. Absolutely. Even though I'm one thousand percent against this, this is wrong to transition children. The move comes in response to Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin's latest policy initiatives, which empower parents to exercise control over whether and how children transition gender in school. As well as a uh, speech he gave at a Parents Matter rally back at the beginning of the school year. Uh, Quote, they think parents have no right to know what your child is discussing with their teacher or counselor. Youngkin said when asked by a local reporter whether she isn't criminalizing parents, as many Republicans argue, Guzman answered, no, it's not. It's educating parents because the law tells you the do's and don'ts, Guzman answered. So this law is telling you do not abuse your children because they are LGBTQ. How is that abusing them if the parents don't want to transition them? She's calling this abuse. Guzman was uh, similarly unwavering in her thoughts about whether such an approach violated free speech or religious freedom. Quote, the Bible says to accept everyone for who they are. So that's what I tell them when they ask me that question. And that's what I will continue to continue to tell people. This woman is definitely misinterpreting the Bible. She does not know her Bible. I mean, her Bible is the Bible of wokeness dedicated to the left. This is wrong. And you know what, folks? This is how far the left has actually gotten into um, the school system. Look, it says last month, students across 100 schools staged walkout protests across the state to criticize Governor Yunkin's policies and defend transgender rights. Because he wants the parents to have a say and students were walking out. These public schools are indoctrination centers, nothing more. They are indoctrination centers here, folks. They've gotten to kids and parents hats off. Um, They had enough and they actually voted Glenn Youngkin in. But the damage was done, folks. They've gotten to these kids. They have gotten to these kids and these kids are walking out of school. Over transgender stuff. This is just completely insane, guys. Completely insane. That's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white network fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure you subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time.
1: You're tuning into Black and White Sports on YouTube.
0: The no holds barred truth on sports. The main event starts now. All right, guys, we're going to be talking about Brittany Griner here in this video. Brittany Griner is in a Russian prison serving out her nine year sentence. And you guys already know why she's actually um in prison for nine years. Now, the media is still saying that she is wrongfully detained. However, guys, I would not want to be in a Russian prison. I definitely would not. And uh, Bernie Griner does have an appeal that will be happening here, I believe, next week. But it's going to be very, very bleak that her sentence is actually overturned. I mean, Bernie Griner did the crime. I guess she's going to be doing the time, you know, unless uh, Joe Biden can actually do something to get her out. But Joe Biden has no interest in interest whatsoever in actually doing anything for her. Well, guys. The conditions in which uh, Bernie Griner is living in right now. It's bad. It is really, really bad, folks. And I would not want to be in a Russian prison. So we got a little bit of insight here. And um, I believe that these Russian prisons are meant to do one thing to break a human being. Here we go, guys. Over here on Insider, Brittany Griner's Russian imprisonment has been worse than she imagined. New details about her detainment revealed. Folks, if she just respected this country right here and actually, you know, respected the laws of another country, she would not be in this situation. You know what, folks, I truly do believe that the WNBA probably could actually grow a little bit if the WNBA players actually, you know, took initiative to actually grow their sport and not try to play politics all the time. We know where the politics lie with the WNBA, they hate this country. And when you hate the country, guess what? People are not going to support your product. This is why the NBA truly has not recovered. in ratings wise anyway, when it comes to um, television, people have tuned out the NBA. But let's read this, guys. It says here, Brittany Griner is struggling in Russian prison. The eight time WNBA All-Star is facing particularly harsh and borderline bordering on inhumane conditions at the Russian penal colony where she's been. They're saying it's wrongfully detained. She's not wrongfully detained. She brought the illegal substance into a foreign country. She did that. She admitted it. But anyway, it says for eight months on drug smuggling charges, a new report reveals. A recent New York Times story, which includes comments from one of Griner's Russian attorneys, Details just how much adversity the 31-year-old basketball superstar has shouldered since she was first arrested at the Moscow airport back in February. Now, check this out, guys. Griner shares a small cell with two other individuals, both of whom speak English. So she can actually communicate with the other inmates she's actually room with. And were also charged with um, drug-related violations. At first, she was expected to sleep in a bed that was far too small for her 6 time frame. But in April, visiting journalist Ekaterina Kalugina Kalugina, told a Russian um, prison oversight commission that the American needed a larger bed. Don't know if she actually got a larger bed or not. But still... There are other discomforts Griner faces on a daily basis. She and other incarcerated women, check this out guys, this is disgusting, are only permitted to shower twice per week, Kalogina told the Times. And during the Russian reporter's aforementioned visit to her cell, Griner revealed she she was experiencing frequent pain, particularly headaches. So two showers a week, folks. I can't go one day without showering. I can't. I can't imagine, you know, only getting two showers per week. And she's actually um, a uh, room with um some other people too. Folks, hygiene has to be a serious problem over there. A serious, serious problem. Lawyer Elekser Alexander. Bokov described the penal colony where Griner is currently housed as dilapidated and said the temperature inside fluctuates dramatically depending on the weather. And we know that Russia can get pretty cold. Uh, the Phoenix Mercury great is only allowed outdoors for one hour each day, during which she walks around and laps in a small courtyard. Now, over here, I believe at least anyway in high security prisons um inmates that are um like on death row or something like that are locked down 23 hours per day. Brittany Griner is getting that same treatment here. So she's getting no sunlight, two showers per week, and she's in a lot of pain, having headaches. Not sure if she actually she actually has a mattress that can actually um fit her uh, her body I mean she sits for nine guys so she's pretty tall but I've also seen where um, I've seen a documentary you can actually see it on YouTube I believe on A&E's on channel if I'm not mistaken I believe this is either in Russia or Ukraine somewhere like that where prisoners only get like a little cot and that's it I mean this prison was just brutal one cot. And you have to sleep on the floor. I'm pretty sure your body would be in a bunch of pain. All of this has begun to take a significant toll on basketball, on uh, the basketball stars, emotional well-being. During a recent interview with CBS uh, Mornings, Cheryl detailed a disturbing phone call. They shared expressing concern that Griner may not have the mental fortitude to forge on. Bokov has also noticed a change in his client. A quote, she has not been in as good condition as I could sometimes find her in, he told the Times. Griner and her legal team appealed the nine-year sentence she was handed in early August. Her next hearing is scheduled on October 25th. And should the courts uphold their initial decision, Griner will likely spend time in a larger Larger one of Russia's infamous penal colonies, which really could be concentration camps, folks. I mean, my goodness. You know what, guys? I really do almost feel really, really bad for her. I can't imagine, you know, and I'm trying to be humane about this. These conditions are bad, really, really bad, folks. I mean, we don't treat our prisoners like this in this country, and there's people In this country that have done some horrific crimes, I'm talking about double murders, life sentences, death row, death row um, inmates. If you watch documentaries, they actually live pretty good. I mean, she is like pretty much in a concentration camp, folks. This is bad. This is really bad. I hope that Brittany Griner really starts to have an appreciation for this country. And whoever is the next president in 2025, because I believe it's going to take to at least 2025 before she actually gets to come home. Bernie Grund is broken. She is definitely broken, folks. But that's just my thoughts on this. What do you guys think of this? Black and white sports fans, let us know what you think about all this in the comments. Make sure to subscribe to the channel. And we'll catch you next time.